0: you're listening to tango
1: uncorked hello everybody welcome to tango uncorked i am adam Gardner, and today on the show we have jackie clark who is a visual artist here in new york city and has been dancing in this community since the mid-90s she has been a part of the new york city community for a long time she's had her sabbaticals here and there, where she's pursued other interests. and uh, But she's come back, and she she shares her story with us later in the show, and it's really nice to sit down and talk to her. Her and I share a lot of parallels in terms of our lives, journeys, um, which we discussed. So I don't need to go into it now. How are you? How have you been spending your corona time? I hope you're trying to stay happy or or in, in good spirits. It can be challenging. I see a lot of interesting and I hear a lot of interesting uh quotes and phrases and little what do you call them? statements to to swing this to sound better like you're not stuck at home, you are staying safe or you're saving the world or you're eating a lot of food and you know, it's all about perspective. Um for those of you who are alone don't hesitate to reach out to people via the phone or Zoom or or podcasting or, or anything. It's all, it's all there for you. Most of it's free. Podcasting is, is very affordable. I do it, and I think I pay $9 a month, and it's unlimited platform. And it's been a lot of fun. You can call people online and interview them or talk to them or play a music, have a radio station. Lots of things we can do creatively. Um, I read a story about a pandemic that happened in England in 1665 and 1666. If you Google that, you'll find it. I don't remember all the details, but I remember thinking, what if we were around then? What would we be doing if we were home alone? I'm guessing we would figure that out. We would get very introverted and look into our souls. Um, If you're with somebody, how's that going? Are you, is it, is it everything you hoped and more? Um, are we learning a lot about tolerance and patience? I know I don't have to worry about that because I'm in the most perfect relationship ever and we never have any problems. Um, I'm saying that to make sure we don't. <laughs> so I heard that, um, well, I was gonna say, I didn't hear, I know that tomorrow's April 1st and that means the rent's due. So I've been seeing some people um having issues about problems, I would say. They a lot of people have one rent payment saved up and now they're not sure what they're gonna do. Well I hope we have some solutions soon from De Blasio and from New York State and Cuomo. We'll see what happens. Um what else did I wanna touch on today? Did you hear that? Speaking of Cuomo, his brother, CNN anchor Chris Cuomo, is positive for corona. So I guess that's what happens when you go to work every day. Lesson learned. Hopefully he will be okay. Um, I got a mask. Sharon got some masks. Our friend Alice Mock is making lovely masks. They are available through Facebook on her website. Um, or her Facebook page, POM, Peace of Mind Masks. They're pretty comfortable. They're cool. They're nice fabrics, nice designs. She comes, she sends them to you with uh, washing instructions and a little story about them. And uh, they're quite professional. She is a fashion designer and she does know how to make things very well. I recommend the masks. They're $18 each and they will serve you and they will make other people around you feel comfortable as well, so I know that walking around has become kind of like a pinball machine where things go bouncing away as quickly as possible, Um, for good reason, but it's also funny. What else is going on? Um, I've been spending some of my time catching up with old friends I haven't chatted with, so I talked to my buddy Hoffman yesterday, who I met 22 years ago, when I was 15, and um, we went on a road trip. When um, I was 16, we drove to California to San Diego from Cleveland, and what a awesome experience! I think anybody can agree that your first road trip is always life changing, and it was amazing to share that with him. And I mentioned to him how I have a, a new podcast, a live podcast, call-in show with Chico tango cafe takeout on wednesdays and i said you know call in or just listen you'll know, check it out he said i did listen to your podcast but all you did was talk about tango which is why i knew he lied because we don't generally talk about tango on the podcast um but that's okay because now i'll know if he listened because if he calls me and he says adam why did you say that about me i'll know but i have a feeling he won't um are you staying away from Facebook? Are you staying away from, you know, we all <laughs> We all have an issue with fake news. Fox News, Donald Trump, all this fake news and now we're all a part of it. I can't handle all the fake news I'm seeing. Um take it easy there. You're driving yourselves mad. I have been avoiding Facebook as much as possible. My 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 general morning now is to wake up Do some exercise, take a walk, or ride a bike around. Uh, I I just try to stay away from the news and from Facebook for at least the first three hours. Make a nice breakfast. Sit in the yard when it's nicer out. Do things to get me away from panic and nonsense, generally. Um, Meredith Klein has a Tango Lecture Series, Wednesdays at 7.30. And... If you go to philadelphiatangoschool.com, you can register. She shares the proceeds with the artists. I will be one of those um, in two weeks, I believe, or three weeks. Uh, you can check it out on the website. I'm giving a DJ lecture, and I'm excited about it. I'm, I'm um, making a lot of notes and organizing it to have a structure, and I think I would like to do several different types of lectures, and hopefully it will help generate more income, as now is a very difficult time all of us tango artists as we cannot touch people or dance with them. Um, so I'm also considering other ways to teach online and all those things, and we'll see what happens. I'm finding it a little challenging, but we'll, f- we'll figure something out. Um, I think that's all my notes for today. Old friends, new friends, call people, call people that you know are alone it'll surprise them send them a letter i started a pen pal connection with my niece she's 8 now she gets a letter in the mail every so often and she really uh i say the same thing when i talk to her on zoom but you know it's nice for people to get little letters and phone calls call your elderly relatives let them know you're thinking about them it could really make their day um, I guess that's all. That's my PSA. Uh, listen tomorrow night to Tango Cafe Takeout with Chico and I. It's at 9.30. We're, we're coming up with all sorts of fun segments to keep it entertaining, keep it rolling. We'll have a uh, five-question segment with Meredith Klein. We're going to have a true and false game. We're going to have some music stuff. We're going to have story time with Oscar. We'll have Bat Johnson reading a little bit. And probably some more interesting surprises. It tends to coalesce towards the middle end. Oh, live music. Live music with Iran Polat. Last week we had Stratos and Javier. The Tango takeout, Tango Cafe takeout episodes are also available on the Tango Uncorked podcast website and on your app, so you can listen to them after the fact if you didn't get to listen to them live. Um, thank you for listening. If you'd like to contribute, to adam and chico or to tango and cork you can send any donations to a d a m a n d c i k o at gmail that's adam and chico at gmail via venmo or paypal we will really appreciate it it will help us continue once uh once we get back into the real world of tango to keep the bills paid to keep the rents and the lights on um we had a nice meeting online with all of the teachers from you should be dancing all of the teachers and the t- the owners just to check in and see what we're we're all trying to come up with and the studio is extremely supportive in all of our efforts and doing whatever they can to help and it's a really nice family to be a part of so i just wanted to acknowledge that um all right so this is the longest introduction i've had yet because i am bored um but you are bored too, so maybe you're you're enjoying it i don't know we're going we're gonna cook some interesting food tonight. I'll tell you all about it on the next one. so please enjoy the show. Here we are with Jackie Clark. check one two can you say a few words it picks up quite a bit
0: okay so um
1: you're good i could just turn it up
0: okay i can get close
1: and i can speak up too but <clears throat> i can either just move that closer to you
0: okay <laughs> so, you know i habitually cross my legs so i always need room for that
1: <laughs> well your bag's in your way not the microphone there we go. Okay. So
0: what were you just saying before over there? Oh, my gosh. You're testing my memory. Um, <laughs> I brought a bag of stuff <laughs> to help my memory.
1: <laughs> no, oh, oh, no. You were saying you make short – you make videos. Oh, you were making I videos. Did, you
0: know, I'm um,
1: – At Volvo Tenga.
0: I do every – all. you know, for years I've been an artist. Yeah. So I – Consider life art. You know, I, I, you know, when I'm here and I'm watching people dance, and you have particular people here that makes this place special. Not that they don't go other places, but I recognize them as being associated with your... You mean Tango Cafe? Tango Cafe. And I look at them and I go, that's an artist. That person has their dance is their art. And I'm not talking about professional dancers. It's just something I see. And it's my view of um, so many things in life. So, the videos. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been a painter for many, many years. Um, all kinds of painting. Um, I started out traditional, studied at the Art Students League. But before that, um, privately with... Um, some very good artists and the one in particular came from new york he used to teach at the league i studied with him elsewhere and through that inspiration moved to new york to where go to were the you league. when that was happening that was in okay i was a real vagabond and traveled a lot and moved around a lot so at that time he was in fort something indiana ooh, somewhere, Indiana, right? I was living in Ohio, and it was just across the border hmm. into Indiana, right? Mm-hmm. That's the next state. And yeah, I grew uh, up in Ohio. Uh, and I can't remember the name right now, but he still lives there with his wife, who's from there. And he w- he's a New Yorker and s- taught at the Art Students League back in the 70s, and Moved with his wife to her hometown, the place I can't remember the name of, and um, settled there. And they had met at Terry Toons doing, drawing such things like Heckle and Jekyll, which were (coughs) one of my favorite cartoons as a kid. But anyway, so his inspiration made me want to move to New York. Mm -hmm. And when I moved to New York in... 1983-84, sort of end of 83, uh, end of, you know, probably December or something, I knew I was in the place I was supposed to be, that I was always supposed to be. I felt very comfortable and at home and started going to, found jobs easily, started going to the Art Students League, worked all day, went to the league every night, and, Got up the next day and did a, did, did the whole thing again. And uh, I was a house painter at the time. Hmm. And
1: so that was your day.
0: My day job, yes. And uh, I did discovered I didn't like house painting in New York. It was a very different scene than so you Maryland. House painted I'm from Maryland, so okay. Other places that I'd lived, crazy things they were doing. Things I was working for these small independent like two guys and they hired me or, you know, two guys in a van and Mm -hmm. that sort of thing. I did not like that at all.
1: Um, What kind of, what were you doing in Maryland? What kind of house, what was different? Because I did house painting as well in Cleveland and it was also two guys in a van.
0: What's different, (laughs) what was different was that you weren't in the big city with millions of people and working in apartments where, um, they didn't have slop sinks, or you couldn't uh. get, or they didn't have even, uh, it, w- it was just very uncomfortable. And okay, this sounds totally weird. And I still think it's weird. And was um, horrified my first day at work when they said, Yeah, you have to clean the brushes in the toilet. Hmm. And I'm like, Oh, no, no way. No, because of course we're using our own brushes. you use yeah, your yeah, own brushes, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know you bring a, it's it's a, any painter you know it's
1: mm-hmm.
0: required to have your own toolkit anyway. I decided I was going to try my hand at uh wallpaper hanging, so I got a job. I left those guys and got a job with a wallpaper hanger and that was a lot of work i wasn't. I I had no idea how hard uh, those guys were. Hmm. This was high-end stuff. The owner of the company was from Argentina. Okay. And, okay, the company, it was just him, and then he hired me. (laughs) And um, he was, every night he'd go home and have to trim, because it was all hand-blocked papers and flocks and Flocked paper, which I hated. This silver, you know, because this is in the 80s. This is what was popular at the time. The yeah, I don't think metallic. people even use
1: wallpaper much anymore. Not
0: anymore. And there's are wise not to. Yeah. And I'll tell you why. Uh, something that most people don't know, but any wallpaper hanger would know, is it will cost you more to have it removed oh. <laughs> <laughs> when you're sick of it than to have it installed. And Mm -hmm. it takes much longer, and lots of my jobs were uh, to go in and remove the old wallpaper and then mend the wall and Mm -hmm. prep and paint. And that's where being a painter comes in really handy, and and it's a nice um, complement to a wallpaper hanger. Usually they can do both. But that... um, Turns out that guy was like... I don't know if the or was it the military coup, or what do they call in, mm-hmm. in Argentina when people were disappearing and yeah. stuff? Well, I discovered this guy was sympathetic with the military, huh. Uh-oh. and he actually told me he. I guess he. When you're working with someone, they talk a lot, and <laughs> they, you know, you're right. Especially if it's hours. just you and them.
2: Yeah, yeah you and, and
0: I wasn't. Of course, he was my. I wasn't. Saying what my I mean maybe I was But he felt safe enough Or secure enough To sort of try to set me straight On you know
1: Well maybe Uh, also because he was the employer He felt Yeah
0: but he knew things that I had no idea I was horrified And The whole thing about Throwing people out of planes Over the ocean Which didn't come out till much later he so mentioned he that he knew he had knowledge of he, he had this knowledge kind of, stuff. of that. The other thing he had said was something about, "Oh yes, you take them to the beach to shoot them, because then the blood, there's no evidence left because of the tide." These things. So like, you're hanging wallpaper I'm, in Manhattan apartments. Well, yeah, that or driving in the. Anyway, I I was like, okay, no, I wow. you know and. The other thing, too, was, like, I'm not going to invest my time in wallpaper hanging because I'm not going to go home at night and trim paper. You know, I was... So I got a job. My next job was the one that stuck, and the one that became my lifelong career was I started working for a company called Evergreen Painting Studios, Mm -hmm. and they're they're situated in Brooklyn now, but they're huge. I worked for them for... Many 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 many
1: years when you're driving around, when you get a job well, with the wallpaper guy who used to mm-hmm. be involved in yeah somehow how long or does it take for, or how long does it oh, or sympathetic how yeah. long does it take for him to start telling stories? How long did you work with
0: not long that? I yeah. mean you know it's funny because i'm going to say all this happened in just a matter of months okay, and I never had any uh, fear or concern of not getting work back in those days especially uh in that kind of trade you know if you if you could prove that you could do do the work you know um and also you know i'd been doing that kind of work since i, I want to say 73 72 or three and um totally a man's field mm-hmm. um, and I just learned to you learn to compete. You become very competitive. I think I had a little bit of that in me already. Um, but yeah, very quickly people start really revealing themselves. And you can have these incredible bonds. Yeah. And the people, once I started working with an artist related, so my job with Evergreen they are a decorative painting company and murals. And um, and Gold leafing restoration we worked cathedrals government buildings you know all the beautifully uh, courthouses uh, residents wealthy residents you know um, it was all going to be very expensive whatever we did and um, so I I was working side by side with artists at that point and I was starting to then work with uh, women so it wasn't an all-male because the company was probably uh, at least 50-50, if well, not. I think
1: yeah. in – I mean, I'll move on, but I think – because <laughs> I worked a little bit in carpentry and house painting and, when I lived in Cleveland. Mm-hmm. And um, – but actually, we have a lot in common. I also apprenticed under a very famous artist when I lived in Cleveland, and I wanted to ask you a little bit more about okay. that, too. yeah. But um, when you're in a room or in a van and then with, like, one or two other people all day, every day – you are their social life. Yes. They are your social yes. life. I found that I was, I was pretty, I was a lot younger than the two guys I worked with. Mm-hmm. One of them was sort of like a heroin addict and the other one was just extremely, I think he was a cokehead or something, but they had, <laughs> you know, they had their nightlife that I was too yeah. young and not interested. Yeah. I was 19, 20. Um, but then in the daytime, we would hang drywall. I was an apprentice, so I would do the the grunt work and then they would finish it, uh-huh. but all day long, they would just tell me their crazy stories. Yeah. And that was because that's just three guys in, in, in a house somewhere in Cleveland doing work all day. Uh-huh. That's, yeah. that's what you do. You just talk. And I didn't have any stories. I was so young. I mean, so. I do things
0: like, <clears throat> you know, um, very quickly I became like foreman. And um, I was then sort of elevated up to um, not quite, I mean, small project manager, you know, and foreman and stuff. But one of the things I would do with the new crew, um, because our company traveled and jobs lasted anywhere from a couple weeks to a few months, and I traveled a lot with the company, but I would do things like, um, say, okay, if we're all working, and it's just sometimes tedious, repetitive things, and I'd say, um, okay, worst date story, or you know, just getting people to tell stories. And Mm -hmm. those were a lot of fun. And people would bring, you know, get people to learn a little bit about each other and get to know each other. And and then open up also a little bit, you know. Mm -hmm. So, But we used to have, I mean, this was at the point where I'm working with men and women.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: Not old, it's not, yeah, I know that kind of uh, environment you were working in with the two sort of, um, I'm sure they control the radio, right? You probably listen to a lot of classic.
1: Classic rock. Yes. One guy was a a retired, quote unquote, retired punk rocker. Oh. He was like in his 40s, maybe 50s.
0: So at least you didn't have to listen to.
1: No, no, uh, it was good. It was good music. Like he was like a wiry, thin guy with gray hair. He looked mm -hmm. like a David Byrne kind of guy. Oh, cool. Um, Chain smoked and and after hours would like Uh go to the bar and do his thing. And the other guy was like a total mess, but he was like a really fine woodworker.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: and um, his name was Pete and then I just did like the basic like I would hang drywall, I would prep everything yeah. and they would finish it
0: I, I'm, I'm going to guess that he became a fine woodworker and then became a I a, don't know, a, a he was a quiet an one an addict or whatever, <laughs> like he would only come in to
1: do specialized things because yeah. Kevin, the, the guy who ran the business didn't like having him around all the yeah, time because yeah. he would just, you know as addicts yeah. do, they disappear yeah, yeah, yeah. and this guy would disappear, he, I guess he used to work full-time with Kevin, and then mm-hmm. he started disappearing, so Kevin would bring him in when he needed, like, we did a floor once, and we needed him to help do the, the um, you know, the corners and all this mm-hmm. stuff, and, but I wanted to ask you, when you worked for the, when you were learning from the artist in Indiana, mm-hmm. did you, how did you learn, like, what, because, like, for me, for example, I did the work for the artist, because mm-hmm. he it was, he was an op artist, okay. but he was very old.
0: So this is a completely different kind of experience then because I was always artistic, I liked to sketch, but I never had any kind of training. Mm-hmm. And uh you know, it was it was one of those things where it didn't occur to anyone in my family to encourage or none of us knew oh, you can be an artist. You can go to school and be an artist and you know whatever train or whatever. So you know a lot of people talk about being self-taught. So I sort of don't like using that term, but I would fall under that category um because I, everything I know I learned from someone else. So it's not like I I guess even if you sit in front of the computer and watch YouTube videos of painting, you're you're still getting it from from someone else. So I don't know about self-taught. But anyway, this guy, I was right, i, I was learning from self-talk. scratch yeah, with yeah. him. And so he did, didn't matter what you knew coming in. He put you through a, a, regime, a regime. And he was a very excellent teacher, an amazing person. And he used, I guess when he was living in New York, he, he grew up here. He went to high school of the arts. He, he tells a story of how he had... Uh, someone had given him or you know well you're too young to know about this but there used to be the matchbox cover and it said the famous artist school or something like that and it says if you could draw this and maybe it's a picture of Daffy Duck's head or I don't know some kind of simple cartoon and send it in and we'll send you and so a lot of okay so I always thought that was like a joke like oh what is that? But he said that he did that, and that it was the most amazing um, sort of s- school. You know, it was like
1: so. Uh, let's clear you, You're saying you used to get a matchbox, and inside a, the matchbox,
0: inside a, a mat, not a matchbox, but, but the, the flip cover. Yeah, cover, and right. this was. Years ago, it would have been 50s, 60s, whatever. Maybe back to the 40s, because I think this
1: school... So this is how an art school would promote their program.
0: It wasn't even... It was a... They sent you the books, and in the books were lessons. And they were lessons from famous illustrators. Oh. And it was a great... Um, I know Charles Loomis, I think, was involved, and I. he's the only one that I could... You know, maybe someone like Rockwell. I don't Mm -hmm. know if
1: Rockwell was involved, but
0: that sort of thing. So
1: the way they got the word out was through Matchbox. That was their advertisement. And
0: maybe in the backs of uh, uh, comic books, because as a kid, we loved comic books. Have
1: you ever heard of Masterclass on the Internet?
0: I might follow the guy that runs This is that. sort of like old school It's old class. school master
1: class. <laughs> Absolutely. So anyway, he
0: used that. I didn't know he was using the system. It just sort of revealed itself and when he would come out and lecture and talk to us. But he was using that system. Hmm. And so he'd start you out with no color, just line. Yeah. And he would say, okay, draw these. and And then he'd bring out these little sort of forms and shapes now you can have three. You can have white, black, and middle gray. Now, do this form and this sphere and all this, this whatever, shapes, cone and square or rectangle and stuff. Then he'd add two more grays. So you had a five grays. And once he was satisfied that you really understood form and all this stuff, then he'd give you color. Color, yeah. And so it was... What I needed—it it was just this beginning that uh, anyone who was going to go to college at that time was not getting. Hmm. They were absolutely not getting it. So you almost had to really find that for yourself. That kind of training. Were so, you
1: in? Um, were you? Were there other people around? Other, oh yeah, there other was. Artists, a, it was people? a
0: whole. It was down in his basement. He had the whole. Or garden level, I should say. It wasn't really a basement,
2: mm-hmm.
0: and uh, he had the whole thing set up like a so you're a sharing school studios, room. like a school. no studio. It was just a, a class. You, we were all in the same, and he had different um, uh, still lives set up. And some people could work on one thing. You could choose to work on another Mm -hmm. thing. Or if you were still in the black and white stage, the gray scale stage, you might work over here where Mm -hmm. the rest of the class is working on a a still life. That's what he was known for. Mm -hmm. And he was an illustrator. He had done a lot of covers and things like Cowboys or Bronco Rider. You know, that. think back. um, I mean... I don't know how old he is now. He's probably like 90 or something, but he would have been... uh, It would have been when uh, illustrators were doing a lot of uh, magazines, uh, periodicals and covers, and and those were full of stories. Mm -hmm. You know, unlike now it's kind of news or, you know, cosmetics or whatever. I don't know. But back then, um, this would have been my parents' um, generation. Generation. And a little bit bleeding into, uh, as, as a child, I just remember even my sister having these crazy magazines of stories. And, um, yeah, so that was, uh, and they were illustrated beautifully. So, yeah, think, uh, think uh, Reader's Digest right? Mm-hmm. or something like that. So anyway, but he so I learned a lot about the, the great illustrators. I learned a lot about the Art Students League and how there 's like a, a um, okay in genealogy, which is like another little hobby of mine and ancestry stuff, so you have your grandparents, your great grandparents, and so on so it, as an artist, you have that kind of sort of
1: genealogy, genealogy
0: in, your- in where where your inspiration who were your mentors what did you love what did you follow and that becomes a part of you do
1: so. you ever feel like your mentors or do you did you work similar did you work similar to your mentors do you still and do you think it's they might have had a good effect or a bad effect on where you took your art oh no this is a days?
0: fabulous question I'm glad you asked it And I'm going to say, okay, so my first teacher was Frank Lilligren. I should have said that. I actually wrote a little article about him that was published in um, Linnea magazine, which is put out by the Art Students League. And I think someone from Linnea had seen me post, uh, I think if you Google Google his name, you'd come up with some stuff from my website and, and all because I talked about him. So I was anyway asked to do a little thing on him. So he said cuz I studied with him for a couple years, I think, before I moved to New York. And he said it's going to take you 5 years, about 5 years to get rid of that your whatever whoever your teacher is, but you'll always maintain parts of that but as far as getting out of painting like them or trying to paint like them or subconsciously painting like them it takes some while for your own self to absorb all that and then recreate it for yourself so um, I know you were talking to someone in one of the because I was listening to some of your your um, podcasts with other and all jumbled up all mixed up I'd go oh I want to this one that one someone you talked about Maybe maybe it was Gail about uh, something along these lines. But I always remembered that. And I d- didn't stress about it. My next teacher was David LaFell. He was very famous. He's still alive. Very famous. Amazing. Still life painter. Also portrait painter. Um, and I painted, you know, at some point I had to, completely walk away from that and find another other teachers that were completely different because mm. I didn't want to be like a copycat painter right. of that. I wanted to so so I will stick with someone really like a diehard. I'll be a diehard fan. I'll be your biggest fan. And then at some point I'll move on just because I go, well okay, I don't want to absorb that person so much that I become a mini, a mini them. Mm-hmm. And I'll move on. And I think that uh, now, when I'm painting, every one of those mentors that I've had are there with me. Right. They're there with me. And um, there are things that, it's like dancers. Oh, yeah. I was going to say it relates completely to how I feel about dance. Yes, because you have a certain aesthetic of your own, and you're going to be propelled or guided toward those I mean, no matter what other people try to influence you're going to be and you're going to take that and make it your own but and you're right it
1: takes time I mean I re- in the beginning does. I remember everybody would say oh you look just like Robin Thomas and then they would say mm-hmm. oh you look just like Andres Amarilla or they would say you look like Horacio you know they would yeah, have yeah, all yeah. these and of course
0: artists hate hearing yeah because you're saying. trying to do your own thing
1: yeah. but you have to go through uh, one of my friends, Hernan, who lives in Chicago, he was also a student of Horacio's, and he said it's taken him longer to unlearn everything he learned to become his own dancer. You know, <laughs> because y- you need to you need to like embody somebody else's art for yes, a while to yeah, sort of yeah. like a just understand what it is, what uh-huh. what art is, what their art is, and how it relates to you. Yeah, and then. How you want to cultivate your own thing
0: and honor honor it mm-hmm. honor them yeah, for sure. honor them yeah. honor it, but just make it your own. Mm-hmm. Re- just yeah. I
1: like. think it's hard. The hardest thing is to get past that point, because it's very safe to stay in the role of copycat.
0: But but you know what, I'm, and I, I, and I think this relates to dancing. Um, your body, my body, individually are. We. It's gonna di- it's gonna be different.
1: Right. Uh, yeah. Absolutely. I mean,
0: because that's what I had uh, my my last um, mentor, painting mentor, was is uh, was is she's still alive. She's an amazing painter, Mary Beth Mackenzie, and I had said to her once, you know, I'm just really trying. I just really really want to be contemporary. I want my work to and hers is very contemporary, and I was coming from. Uh, sort of having learned more traditional academic kind of painting and um, so everything from color to just the way that you're putting on the paint and approaching it she's much more contemporary so I went with her I loved her work and um, and I said that I I just want to be really contemporary and she said you are, you can't help it, you are. Don't even think that way because you are a contemporary person. You're young, alive now, living now. You're here now. You're not from that. So even if you adopt or uh, you know, uh, certain aspects mm-hmm. of something very old school and academic, you know, um, your, your work is contemporary. So I, I think with dancing, um, your physicality is different. from any of those people you studied with your maybe your legs are longer your you you know all this stuff so it's gonna affect
1: can definitely have an influence but it's just that in terms of becoming like your own creator Uh, the hardest part is to just try things that maybe they have been tried but to you they haven't instead of trying to do things that have already been done because you're learning yeah and we should keep learning of course but then there's that moment where you're like let's Let's try this and see what we, what we do, what we I, get.
0: I have a friend who has like three master degrees. I'm so jealous. I would like one, but he has three. And we were sitting and talking over lunch, and he had said how he was still searching for his voice. And hmm. I'm like, ah, oh, that is a lifelong search that we all – and I think a lot of visual artists, and I can relate most to visual artists, but I, I, I'm i going to say it probably is true for all the fields, but that you get a little bit of that, what is it, imposter syndrome? Mm. Like, okay, I'm doing this and people are loving it, but I'm not 100% feeling it. And I don't know if I'm just trying to f- pull the wool over people's eyes or, you know, you get to that, like, so... Finally, like I've been painting, um teen zillion years, almost as long as I've been on the face of the earth. And I'm going to say that now I am so completely comfortable with what I do, not satisfied. Hmm. I haven't arrived by no means, but I stopped questioning. And that's only been in the last few years. I stopped questioning what I'm doing.
1: Do you see a difference in the work? Oh, Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Absolutely.
0: And, and, and a lot of it has to do with that I personalized my work. So I think I'd said to you once uh, here, when we we're our, our mini chats, you know, because um, you're so busy and there's <laughs> dancing and all this other stuff to be done, so we get these little mini chats. But I'd said, oh, you know, I'm very vain. But, but, but I put myself in everything I do now. And it's not like a rule. It's just this is what I'm doing. It's like I'm following this path, and it hasn't ended yet. So all my paintings are either some kind of self-portrait, or it's not me. It's me playing a role, and but I'm in it. I use myself for my model. I occasionally hire someone else uh, to for photo shoots to model for paintings, and it was well, it was like I needed a woman. And I was like, I had hired a guy, and I was like, I was so broke. I just remember, like, I was just, like, so broke. I couldn't approach a model and ask them. I just didn't feel, oh, I didn't want to ask for anything free, you Mm -hmm. know, because artists get that all the time. And I was like, you know what? You can do this. Just do it yourself. Just you be. I know exactly what I want. So that's, it just started with that. I set up my camera on my Tripod and uh, knew what I wanted to do because I'd already photographed. So I get these ideas for paintings, and I it's like um, a vision, you know. So I get very clear. I know what I want, and then I'll get uh, the model to pose, and then I'll, if I have a second or third figure in it, then. Well, I use myself now, so <laughs> and then I piece it together so it's it's kind of just fabricated, mm-hmm. and then uh some stuff I just paint from my head with no reference and other things I'll just use random reference uh like i'll you know look for photographs of I need a wolf, so I'll just pour over photographs of wolf wolves mm-hmm. and um pick one or two and do
1: you um have an idea, uh, like is the composition already complete or is the idea complete? It. But then the composition kind of.
0: Okay, so once I have an idea, mm-hmm. I, usually whatever piece of paper is nearest, and it's mostly a bill, the back of an envelope, or something, and I will just sketch it. Especially like I'll wake up sometimes in the morning, you know, that when you're half half awake, and you have that clarity. So, a lot of times if I'm thinking about a painting or an idea or have this idea, it will clarify itself. I'll wake up in the morning and I'll just see it. So, I'll grab something. If my sketchbook's not handy, I'll just sketch it. And many times the end painting looks is really the sketch doesn't change. And other times I do lots of sketches and I call them thumbnails. Because I used to design mur- uh, I used to paint a lot of murals, and so I know how to. Uh, you do it small, you know. If it's, uh, you get everything correct, small, the composition, everything, and then you know it's going to look good big. Hmm. You know, you correct all everything, and then you know it's going to look good, big. So I will do a, a sketch, and it's um. To as close as possible to. You keep,
1: do you keep notes of your – so I used to paint. Mm-hmm. And one thing that got started to get to me was all the clutter. <laughs> like And you've been doing this a long time. Um, oh, my God. <laughs> so I wanted to know, A, what – I mean, how often are you able to unload your work? And where do you put it all? And do you just get rid of stuff? How do you manage all that? Because I felt it was so hard for me to just get rid of stuff because it's like I put so much time into it.
0: Okay, it's a lifelong. It's 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 such a challenge because I sell barely ever sell anything, mm-hmm. barely ever. Um, I sold a big painting. Uh, it was a beautiful painting. I sold a big one last year. Um, every once in a while I'll smell. I'll, I'll sell a few small small plein air because I do the the outdoor plein air painting. I go to a lot of competitions and do get juried into those things it's just where you take your easel and everything outside and you paint on the spot and then you sell it's like a wet painting you Mm. you have to do it outside typically in one sitting it doesn't have to be but typically the weather's not the same the next day the light changes quickly so you do it it's pretty small And um, then they have a show at the end. So uh, I'll sell a little bit that way, or in auctions, uh, that where you paint. Anyway, oh, I sidetracked off into that. What was the, oh, the clutter, Mm -hmm. the clutter, Okay, I used to do photography, right, for like, I don't know, seven, eight years. Uh, Beautiful, black and white, all dark room, my own everything. I did everything myself. Um, I do this sort of thing I get into a lot of different things I have a lot of clutter I just emptied my storage space because I was I realized how much I was paying to store old paintings so Mm -hmm. now they are in the apartment I share with two other people and I'm slowly unstretching um, the canvases and rolling them up uh, if I find something that I just go, this is just not that great and why am I hanging on to it, then I cut it up
1: and throw it in the garbage. Oh. I, I I find that so devastating. Because like, oh. I have to do that too. Yes. I, like, when I left for New York, I had a ton of paintings in Cleveland, and I left them all in somebody's basement. Cause, mm-hmm. And then I would go home and they'd still be there. And after three years, you're like, do I really want, do I need this? Yeah. I mean, I haven't been here, but then it's like, I made all, so I'd roll it up, and then six years later, I'd go home, and they'd be rolled up, and then eventually, I'd bring some to New York, and then, and then I just told a buddy, I had a friend who had a bunch, and I said, just get, don't, I don't want to see them, just, just get rid of them without me knowing, because I'll, if I, if I have to do it myself, it'll, it's so much of my life, and time, and energy, and so then I just got so discouraged about creating more because I was like, well, eventually, what am I going to
0: do? With well, you shit? know, I told you I brought a bag of things. Yes. I have some photos. It's the only documentation of it was my first solo show. And it was I was, had my own studio space. I was living down in Maryland. It was after I'd left New York a couple times to try living away and always came back after a few years. So I was doing these big amorphic sort of, it's almost like looking into a petri Petri dish kind of abstract paintings, huge, big. And I had a solo show. All those paintings, except for the one that sold, ended up in a dumpster.
1: Like, what, immediately after or what?
0: Not immediately after. I hung on to them as long as I could. And then when I moved back, I sold my house. I moved back to New York because I realized I cannot live in this suburb. You know, I'm just, like, I'm wasting away out here. Um, I need to get back to New York. And uh, it was a much more vibrant, exciting life to live here. And um, I had a lot of stuff. And I Okay, I kept them... Maybe I kept them in my mother's basement. Oh, I, all right. So I did. I kept them in my mother's basement. I sold my house. I moved back. A lot of stuff in my mother. And then when she passed away and I had to sell her house, uh, I had all this stuff of mine, aside from getting rid of her stuff, which was actually not that difficult. It was my stuff that was difficult because it was stuff that I... It was my art. It was just furniture from after selling my house and then moving to New York and living in a little you know downsizing. So then I had to so yeah, it had to go into the dumpster. I had to. <laughs> and uh yeah, they were pretty pretty cool paintings. They were pretty magnificent, but yes, they all and all my older work ended up in a dumpster. So I just have some photographic evidence and some what do they call them? Transparency? No, what is it? Slides.
1: Slides, maybe. The or... big,
0: the big slides. Yeah. I actually hired someone to do that one. Useless, because you know every, everything changed after. That's what they used to want when you were.
1: I mean, um, there's something about dance that's. You can't, you know, dance is the one art of yeah. all the forms that it's just here and it's gone. Yeah. You know. And, oh and yeah. There's yeah. something about that that I like, and then. Well, you can videotape it, but yeah, that yeah, never yeah. does it justice. Uh, looking at something through a little screen is never Oh, Speaking of
0: videos, we, we, that's what we were talking about before when I was at the windowsill, hmm. my videos. You oh You were yeah. asking me about
1: You're that. doing, we can, yeah, we can change gears. I wanted to ask you about your comment that you made right away that you were saying that you see some people in here that dance, oh, and their dance is their art.
0: It's one of the things I love about this place and I, And I'm just going to tell you okay i'm this kind of person that I'm very enthusiastic about certain people. I kind of fall in love with people very quickly, and you and chico are are just like you I just love you guys, and I love coming to this place and you know from coming i I think I've just been coming about a year and Um, but I watch certain people here and I watch them dancing on their own I just love how it's a party it's free it's freer people are very relaxed and and I'm not talking about every last one of them but Mm -hmm. you you've got a core of people who are very um just love to dance and i see that and i enjoy it i just go I, it makes me smile on mm. the inside even if i'm not smiling on the outside i go yeah that's i love and and i tw- and i want that i want that for myself too and i'm can be very um, um inhibited mm-hmm. so um a little bit of the video the the videos i made this summer um that was really hard for me to jump in front of the camera. And I'm very stiff. And I, I'm a little stiff. My my body movements are a little stiff anyway. I have... Um, like, I always complain. Everyone that knows me, they hear me complain all the time about the arthritis in my ankles and stuff. So I have one foot that doesn't... Won't turn to the left. So I, I cheat a lot in my dancing. I, I can't do... I can do some... Some ochos, but hmm. I can't go overboard. And then at some point, that's why I like the close embrace. I love Malonga. It's not simply because of the music, but it's also in less of those movement, big, yeah. deep ochos. Yeah. Which once my my right ankle gets tweaked, then I, I'm like, oh, I'm dancing in pain. them from, you know, but it it does go away. It's not mm. like permanently damaged. I mean, already permanently damaged, but it doesn't. It's not going to make it any worse. Right. So um, the videos, I set up my tripod. Uh, I had the idea. I knew exactly what I was going for. I knew exactly. It was the same as my painting. So my paintings are like all narrative paintings now. So they're storytelling. Uh, and so the video, I watch a lot of videos and I admire videos. And I'm like, I can do that. I mean, I'd made some music videos years ago when GarageBand first came out and stuff, but not with, um, not quite like, not with the dance, but some other kind of stuff anyway. um, So I had some experience in it. But this time I knew exactly what I was going to do. I um, wanted to work with the speed, you know, have, I was like, well, how can I get, that thing where it, everything's moving fast, but the one person in hmm. the front is staying still, and that—and I don't, you know—I'm just doing it with my phone and trying to figure out the, the. I guess the analog way to do it, or whatever, and uh, so I go, well, just try, just go, let's see, and mm-hmm. so it's very nervous, Um because um, like, okay, I'm gonna look like a fool out there but you know it's for art so we're going to do it and I they came out pretty pretty damn cool and I did I guess four and um, I put them on my Facebook but because I was totally stealing music you know oh, I right, was so. very inhibited about that so I really want to that's why I was saying I want to do garage band and, and learn to just make my own electronic music but that's that may never happen or it will take a a year or two for it to happen in the meantime i just rob other people and you know just hope people don't share it it doesn't end up out there where i might get in trouble but just watch it and and whatever so but yeah i did a volvo tango and um there's one I love in particular where there's this couple I assume they're married I don't know but they look like a married couple and they're dancing by and what I do is I'll film and then when I go home I'll watch it and I'll look for uh, what attracts me like what something that I love and it could be one couple go by and they just have something. And it's not gonna be maybe what other people are looking for, isn't it? Maybe they don't even know, they're not even, doesn't matter, they don't have to be dancing good tango because I'm gonna change the speed anyway. (laughs) And I'm gonna put some different music to it. Mm -hmm. And um, it just, it has something else that's going on there. And there's this one couple and I just have them going over and over and I change the clip so they're starting to pass um, and then they disappear and repeated pass. and then next one they get to the middle, mm-hmm. they repeat that and then at the end they, they kind of dance off the screen and it's just a way like I'm trying to um, I, I repetition you know repetition in art, in music and I think in dance too it's all It's a very uh, powerful thing. Yeah. So repetition. So I was doing it on purpose, you know. But yeah, no, I have fun with that.
1: When you came here in 83, 84, you said you were going to the arts league at night. Yeah, I went for years. Do you feel like as an artist coming here in this time, did you, I feel like New York obviously has changed tremendously. It's always changing. Mm -hmm. Um, in fact, I know a lot of artists who don't come here anymore because they think they have more opportunities in smaller, big cities. What do you think about... Uh, uh, do you think the opportunities that were there then are still presentable yes. today? Yeah. I'm
0: a life member, so I have a locker there still. <laughs> I pay for my locker every month, even though... It, and they have, like, the life drawing. I, you know, I've gotten so swept up in the painting I mean, the dancing, I should say, that I'm neglecting a lot of things that I used to do, you know, because I used to go in on a Friday and do sketching or painting, and now caprichos on Friday. You know, it's (laughs) the same time, you know? And
1: you've danced for a long time, no?
0: Yeah, I started dancing in in 97. Okay, oh, wow. So it was my second time. Okay, so I'm on... So I have this weird thing that every once in a while I try to leave, okay, or I leave for some reason, and then I always come back. So 97, I think in 96, 97, I moved. So again, like in the fall I moved, of 96, I moved back to New York. That was when I sold my, my house. And I was totally mad about kayaking. I would go out in the Hudson River, like every weekend, I I had my uh, couple boats. I mean, I had a boat. The studio I worked at at the time they allowed me to string my boat up, which was like 16 over 16 feet long, up to the ceiling of the, and uh, I'd go uh, get my boat out, uh, car top it, go down to the Hudson and get in the every it was like, I was mad about it. Then I got into tango. Hmm. And it started with, I had gone to Sandra Cameron's in, to take a swing class because swing was the big thing all the young people were doing. And people younger than me, I mean, I was already 40, 45 when I started tango dancing but the swing was too too bouncy i loved the music it was just too and every one was so sweaty and i i didn't want to and oh and i think i'd maybe gone past the beginning classes and in, in a little bit into where people were starting to jump up and lift you off the floor and i'm like oh no 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 don't you know no and i was not going to stay with it and because Sandra Cameron's had the tango going all the different roo- uh, room for all the different dances right mm-hmm. and they had the social uh, practica or the social thing every week and you know the students would go and and people.
1: at the time is this the only place with tango in New York that you no knew of?
0: no Mm-mm. no but this is how I found out about tango okay they were doing you were doing store. swing there and I they... was doing swing and I was like oh I had to check it out and people you know they'd open the door and you would hear the music and they were doing their practica or whatever it was they were doing dancing and I went in there and I sat down and I'm like okay I'm not sure about the music I don't know what to think about this music it sounds like a little carnival you know a little bit like a, I don't know like a, a carnival ride or something anyway and the people what the heck are they doing? Like, I didn't relate what I was seeing with the music. And I was like, this is a mess. Because <laughs> they're all students. They're just figuring it out, right? And then this one couple, and it was a big room. It was a big room. This one couple glides by. And it was, um, oh gosh, I'm spacing out the name, Anne. McGowan, and I forget the name of her partner at the time. He's not here in New York anymore, but he was a they were, and and Anne McGowan is a ballet dancer, but she, anyway, and she's still around. I see her now and then. Beautiful, beautiful. It was just like they were just floating by to the music and close embrace, and I was like Oh, that's okay. Now I see what this is, Mm -hmm. and that hooked me. I was like, okay, because I I know enough. Okay, I'm looking at beginners, people struggling through, trying to figure it out, and then to see a a a real couple, a real you know someone who's advanced, an advanced couple go Mm -hmm. by. I was like, okay. So I signed up for my first teacher's was uh, Ava. I can't remember her last name. I think she's still around. Uh, I'm pretty sure she's still around. Eva
1: Carosa, uh, maybe.
2: Yes,
0: yeah. Eva yeah, Carroza. Uh, and not that she was restricted to beginner, but she was my beginner uh, teacher. I think they all taught various things. And then Jenny Breen. Mm-hmm. Jenny Breen is magnificent too. I mean, uh, Jenny Breen after, and right away, in very short, uh, you know, once I was, I guess, at an intermediate level, and, of course, Danielle Maria, Danielle Maria were that, you know, once you were at an advanced, more advanced level, then you studied with them there. And so I was there for, like, a year. But in that time, I already was interested in leading. Hmm. And... I started stepping, going back to, to the classes as a leader, and still following. You know, it was just something. So they were in okay addition. with lead, female leaders. Oh, absolutely, leaders back then. because they were. Fe- I mean, Eva would go; she led. Mm-hmm. Jenny led. I don't think I had any male teachers other than Danielle. Dan, Dan, mm-hmm. Danielle, and um, they were very traditional, but uh, I think. Um, Oh, Karina, I didn't study with her till later or go to Triangle till, till later, but she was someone I saw all the time in Danielle Maria's class and also there. Um, okay, so in their class, Eva, I don't remember seeing Jenny there, but Eva was there always in the leader role taking the class. Karina was, and so I was there in the follower role, But also very interested in, I want to do what they do. Mm -hmm. And so they would come around. Of course, they were the best, the best leaders. I mean, of course, they're already professional teachers, so of course. Mm -hmm. Now, Rebecca was was around, but I didn't um, – I would see her places, but I didn't know her. And the way I got to – okay, I remember it was – I think it was Eva told me this. She said, Jackie, if you want to lead – just tell people, and maybe I, I probably, she probably didn't say it quite like this, but, th- but this is the truth. This is what you did. You wanna lead, and you, you just don't wanna put up with people's attitudes and shit. You just tell them you're training to be a teacher. Okay. That's what, tell Danielle and Maria that. And I did. And, and Danielle even said, oh, I said, you know, I wanna take classes as a leader. And he and he goes, oh, you're you want to teach? And I said yes. But so I'd already been coached. So had I said no, like I, he it would have put him on the spot. But in a way, I, I I was saving. You know, it was like a little white lie, mm-hmm. and it saved him from having to sort of I guess deal with or think about. You know, it's just, i yeah. was going to be a teacher. Yeah, yeah. So I had no plans to be a teacher. You know. So. Um, Rebecca, okay. I ended up at Dance Manhattan, and it was Jenny Breen, I guess, that guided me there because she s- could see I was in serious. And I, at some point, she said, "You know, you probably would. Uh, you- you'd probably really enjoy going over to Dance Manhattan and continuing there." Um, and that was a good. You know, it was like. Um, it was great. It was a good move. I went to Dance Manhattan. The Tango Mujer ladies were all mm, sort of teaching there. Yeah. And uh, Fabian, uh, Fabiana, or Fabian? Bunger, Fabian Bunga. Yeah, yeah, she taught Malonga. And, okay, remember you So your it
1: sounds like this was, at this point in time, a lot of the teachers in New York were female oh, yeah. lead- leaders. Yes. That seems to have changed uh, a well, lot.
0: Well, leaders and followers. And, mm-hmm. and, and, of course, yeah, you have to know both. And uh should see. Um, oh, I was just going to say. Remember your interview with Lucille, and she was talking about the 2000 the. Mil-
1: the millennium and longer. Yeah, and she yeah.
0: said she said I don't know who won the contest. I won the contest. No, I have a picture. <laughs> and I know what the prize was because oh. I was after that prize. It was a month month class at. Dance Manhattan, and I Mm. chose uh, Fabian's Malonga class. Wow! But there were two prizes because I didn't have a lit a light up hat. Someone else had a light up costume or hat, and Mm -hmm. um, mine was a non light up one. But I did get the big prize.
1: Wow! So I'm looking at a photo from New Year's Eve, 2000. 2000. Jackie it's, it's with, uh, a
0: champagne uh, like a big champagne glass spilling champagne bubbles over my head so I made that with
1: can I take a photo of this? in oh, case people want to know
0: because
1: the yeah. <laughs> now they sure. might want to see it
0: yeah so it's two um, funnels I a definitely small want to one.
1: send it to Lucille <laughs> oh yeah she'll get a kick out of it
0: <laughs> yeah and anyway funnels with Together with duct tape and,
1: wow, yeah. And her story was interesting about how she almost didn't, or the the way the idea came about for that, and how. It, yeah, a I lot of people that, in the yeah. community were saying it was a bad idea. To do the whole lighting of the hat thing and. and oh
0: yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Imagine who would, but I guess there's always someone who's.
1: I can't say. I who don't think. Yeah, I don't. she asked me not to. Oh. I actually did edit that episode. <laughs> you know how oh, I say I'm okay. going to edit, and then I don't.
0: Oh, but you know what I enjoyed, that she talked about Gerald Wagner, because I'd forgotten his name, but once she said his name a few times, I'm like, who is she talking about? And then I'm like, I got to, I used to dance with him. He had, um, I don't know, is he, did he pass away? I I, I don't know. uh, But anyway, he he was a lovely person, and really did uh, support her a lot. So he I asked, I think I that. asked her
1: this and I'm now I'm going to ask you because okay. you're both from the similar time period and I only know you and Rebecca and you know Brigitte, some mm-hmm. some people from that time but um, do you find that, that the community these days is different, similar I, I find when I hear, st- I, I feel that when I hear stories about that time the community sounded a lot more excited about tango. Like and I maybe because everything always seems you know better in hindsight, but I find but now you say, you know, you love to sit here on Wednesdays and watch people yeah, dance you know, and you go to Volvo different. and you see, you know, these inspirational moments. So
0: well and also okay, so two things come to mind. I don't know if there was more excitement. It was a smaller community. So the main difference, and this may not be the answer you're looking for, but you know, I, I think you know we're all personal individuals, and we bring our baggage. Okay, we bring our baggage to the t- to the to the dance. We you know our baggage is with us all the time, mm-hmm. right? And some people are a little better at shedding the baggage than others, and some people don't even realize they have baggage. But we all we all have baggage. So, the thing about back then is we were using ballroom etiquette.
2: Hmm.
0: So, the ballroom etiquette was, it, there may have been some people using capaceo, but that was not a thing. Like, I, when I came back to tango after being away for years, and I came back, started dancing like two, two and some months, two years and a few months ago, came back to tango. I didn't know what the hell. I didn't know anything <laughs> about it. I didn't know what
1: was going on. How long was that break?
0: My break? You came
1: back two and some years ago. So well, let me see. I moved away from New 17. York. Uh,
0: the last time I moved away was uh, 2004, 2005. So I was, um, I started going on the road for the company in 2004 and then decided to get rid of my apartment and make it a permanent where I live on the road. Mm. And because I was in, the the union they sent me to west coast because that's the only place that makes as much if not more money than the new york (laughs) union so once you're in the union you always have to make your rate okay okay so i that was my very good dumb luck that i was then sent off to california and worked all over california for a few years and um Washington State and Utah. Uh,
1: so more or less around 2005.
0: 2005, I left.
1: That's when I moved. I moved here in 2004. And okay. there was already Cabaceo being instituted.
0: Now, I wasn't. Now, in 2004, I was just going out now and now. I wasn't like, uh, you know, I was into, I was doing a lot of photography. So in the last few years, my ankle was really, that was when my, uh, my ankle was really bad. It really hurt to dance hurt 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 all the time to dance or not dance but it hurt so i was doing less and less dancing and um more and more of going and taking photographs doing my photography so i wasn't uh, really you know people they may have started the capo but i had no memory of that when i came back
1: so what's the ballroom kit?
0: The ballroom etiquette is what a lot of people I apparently do not like, is when the guys come up and they extend their hand mm-hmm. and they either nod or or say, you know, would you like to dance? And so I no, – that never – I like that. I mean, I'm fine with that. To, to me, that's – um, and actually – the one time I went to Buenos Aires, which was actually you no, know, it was a few years before it was uh, two thousand two I went to Buenos Aires for a week. And uh not for dancing for something else, but I did go out dancing to Jose Garofalo's um oh, wow. yeah. And I love Jose and he's he's in town. He's I don't know coming, if he's in yeah. town now but he's I saw some yeah he might he's be coming gonna be around at uh, La Nacional Thursday night. So anyway of course I guess this this is all gonna be outdated but um so uh, so the capaceo, so okay it took i was back i i think a year like i didn't know what the hell was going on i kept coming out and sitting there and going and only dancing with people who would actually come up and and do the old <laughs> I, i'm not paying attention uh-huh. and actually if i saw someone looking or if i got caught looking at someone i would do the like oh no he saw it like i, I was like the guy saw me checking him out or whatever right. you know it's not like that's the normal reaction most women like like you're you might look but that you're gonna, your natural reaction is to so look away. To look yeah. away, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. oh, you caught me looking, and then you look back, and oh, but then he thinks he's been rejected. I found out later, so I had no idea, <laughs> completely <laughs> oblivious. And it wasn't until then people started mentioning capaceo, capaceo, and I'm like, oh no, 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 I can't do that. And but eventually, I had to, I had to learn. It still doesn't. I don't know. It still doesn't always work. But I, okay, and I'm absolutely forgetting. I, I do not have a weird thing like it's got to be all this right. or all that. If someone comes up and asks old school style, which is what I call it, I just, maybe they're just like the way I was a year ago, oblivious. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, don't punish people for that. You know, just stay welcoming and stay...
1: This is what I find so interesting about blending not just cultures, but cultural standards. Mm -hmm. Like, here we are in the United States. We're dancing a a dance from Argentina. We're adopting as much of it as we can in their way. But we're not them. We didn't come from the same starting point. We don't have the same cultural standards of... Like I think most people from there already understand that this is how it works, and so the f- the funny thing to me is like you have some people get so offended about rules that half the people don't even know exist yet because yeah. they haven't been indoctrinated <laughs> with them yet. You know, it's yeah, like yeah. don't you know? And it's like no, I don't know. I don't. I'm f- I'm from Cleveland. I, I didn't yeah. know that. Like, <laughs> <laughs> oh well, you offended me. And it's like well that's not allowed. You're not allowed. I'm not allowed to offend you because I didn't know that that was offensive. Uh, you see how that works? (laughs) Like I can't offend you if that was, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I understand that you can be offended, but I didn't mean to offend you. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I mean, they have to, it's, it's, yeah, it's a real conundrum because it's really their problem. Yeah. It's like the
1: conundrum is, well, then they should be like, Oh, Oh, okay. Sorry. (laughs) You didn't know. Instead of being like, "Well, you should have known," it's just. Uh, I mean,
0: I, I'm sure I've broken all the rules. Mm-hmm. You name it, whatever rules there are, I've broken them, and uh, I'll I'll apologize right now. <laughs> I like how to... you faced the mic. <laughs> I, I She's apologize. really serious, everybody.
1: She's apologizing.
0: I'm apologizing now.
1: Well, I think Bat whatever might have I did. said on the show, or somebody said, or I, somebody said not on the show, but I mean, ultimately, just just oh, Mike, Michael. You listen to his oh, podcast. yes, I did like, that was just my last... be fucking nice to people.
0: Yeah, you know <laughs> just be nice, like And you know when when I heard him say that, um I was like, I started taking a little mental notes, like, oh my gosh, have I been nice to people?" <laughs> I don't know. Well,
1: I can be I can be a real. I think it's ju- there's justifiable situations, and then there's just one is in their own head making situations up.
0: I think it goes back to the baggage thing. Mm. I mean, I have, I, you know, I, okay, so a lot, and I try explaining this sometimes to people, because I think it's a big part of who I am, is that I grew up chasing around my brother, to be with him, his friends, to Mm. be like part of that, he's a year and a half older than me, so I was competing with the boys because their game was to can we lose her can we like can we run fast enough let's run fruit through this woods and climb under brambles and climb trees and can she keep up Mm -hmm. so I did keep up and um then my whole working life working with men and having to be even the boss of men sometimes, mm-hmm. most of the time, after about a year of working, running crews, foreman, whatever. And just learning to communicate on that level. And there's a certain honesty that men have in, as far as problem-solving, uh, if there's any kind of aggro, anything, you deal with it on the spot with the person you don't go running to someone else you deal with it you say what you right am i right i mean it's pretty
1: i've I've, i'm not a female so i don't know but i do hear stories and i do hear stereotypes and i see them in movies and i just heard a story the other day from a woman Uh she came back from buenos aires and she was like she said i witnessed like three bike bike cycling down there is really uh-huh. Getting more common now, but okay. it's not so common that people aren't crashing a lot. <laughs> yeah. And she said it's so funny because I'll see two men smash into each other, and they'll just lay into each other, just yell and yell and yell and yell yeah. and yell and yell, and then then they'll just cool. peace out. Then, then yeah, they yeah. just leave. You know, I don't know if they're cool, but they're like, yeah. okay, okay, and it's it's over. And I yeah. I would say in my experience, yeah, we we all go somewhere and bitch and gossip and complain after an event happens, but we I think. Again, I can't compare. I'm not a female and I don't know what I, I but I think men are in my experience, it's more likely you just, you know, you state your piece or not you know, you yeah. you make your position and then you, you know, you give a bro hug or a bro shake or and you're just like, "All right, we're we're done now." Deal
0: with it in the moment. You don't take it, you know, it's like, "What is that?" sort of it's I don't know if it's a proverb or something. Don't let the sun go down on your wrath. I mean, it's like you don't leave because these are people you're working with, you're seeing every day. You're spending eight hours a day at least together, so you don't want to have all this bad blood. So, um, and teasing and razzing—I do that a lot. I'll tease people. I'll make. I'll. I'll joke with. But it's stuff. I. You know, it's my all those years of working so i i always say i'm kind of like a guy in a lot of ways mm-hmm. i'm very um yeah so why did i start talking about that um oh oh the baggage bringing uh, or, or just the way like i'll say things i'll just say what's on my mind and i can easily offend or hurt someone if they're really sensitive mm-hmm. And um, when I moved to California and was running crews in California. So California guys are a little different. And I'll apologize to any California guys out there. So I'm I'm uh, but I would make a joke and 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 maybe a guy would go, he'd say, This is in California, you hurt my feelings And I'd slap them on the back and laugh, and like, I just figured that was a joke. (laughs) But no, it wasn't a joke at all. They go, No, really, you hurt my feelings. And I was like, All right, I'm from New York, and uh, we don't. have, feelings. have those kind of feelings, so I'm. I guess I should apologize. I don't know. I said it was a joke. I'm being, you know, whatever. But anyway, so yeah, women, I I won't, I, I won't talk too much about women.
1: that because I will also offend people on the West Coast because I've been known to do so. I used to work. At, you know, when I first started teaching and going there for tango, it became very clear within like 24 hours that. I should stop talking. Oh yeah. Because back then, when I, I mean, especially when I was in my younger twenties and I didn't really have a filter, uh, oh. I would just offend. Uh, not because I wanted to be that way. It's just I yeah, just, yeah. But I have a friend Shori Myers, and this wasn't even in California. This was up in you know the Oregon Portland area, and she just said like, after like a day, she loved. You know, we got along great. Yeah. but She just said, Adam, I don't think you you're you're. you're a lot back here for a while because <laughs> after just one day she's like you've said an, like so many people are talking about what you just said uh, in one day uh. and it's not like i'm walking around cussing like a sailor i just say yeah. what i yeah think and have convers like want to ask yeah. people questions well,
0: and-, and it's like um when i was there i was like well wait a minute i'm funny i'm a funny person no one's la- like no one's laughing like i couldn't couldn't get people to laugh at me whereas you know here, like, we just laugh at it. We, I think we're funny, right? <laughs> <laughs> you can meet someone in New York on the street, like, be standing in line with them, and they'll say something, and it, or like, especially the construction guys, you know, the plumber or the electrician, they'll say the craziest stuff, and I just laugh. And anyone else would be offended. But I get it. I get the joke. Mm-hmm. I get you know, my dad was very funny. He's from Boston. Hmm. And he was very sarcastic and funny. So I grew up around it. Loved it. So
1: Yeah, I mean if it goes in one set of ears, it's heard one way and if it goes in another set yes. of ears, it's heard another. And, yeah. and I think right now we're living through a point in time when the the ear police is everywhere. I mean I understand there's a lot of there's a lot of good from it, but yeah. I think there's also it's becoming over-censored, mm-hmm. like completely. Yeah. I have f- oh, my yeah. last guest, who I haven't aired the program yet, he's a comedian, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. a stand-up comic, and um, so we chatted a little bit, but in private we chat a lot more about, in the, the world of stand-up comic right now is, is like a nightmare. You either have to talk about Donald Trump or you have to talk about, like, I don't know, because any joke that I've heard, like... It's
0: a, I imagine it's a
1: minefield. Yeah, it's right? a minefield. Because that's, that's, that's,
0: that's what I call tango. It's a minefield, <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: but that's always been a minefield.
0: <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but um,
1: nowadays, like just commenting, saying certain things, Yeah. instead of the person listening and saying, "Oh, I didn't like that," I'm gonna disconnect or disengage. There's yeah. this more of like you offended. You know, you you should apologize to me because I'm the center. Well, and s- what you said. Affected the center, and it's mm-hmm. like well i'm you know none of us are the center we're all just getting by here
0: well, something that I heard, and I think it was just in a film somewhere, and I just remember when this person said this, I was like, Wow, that's profound, and so i'm going to paraphrase it because i don't have that kind of memory, but they said once your words leave your mouth they're they're no longer yours. Hmm. They don't belong to you anymore. Oh, I think so, I've heard this and too, it's yeah. just about being careful about, like that. That other person, like whoever hears it. So, let's say there's three people in the room. They're all, they're all going to own those words in a different way, right. and it has to do with our perception and, you know,
1: um, and experiences yeah, you, and you, everything
0: you, else. Yeah, they're not yours anymore. Mm-hmm. You've you've put them out there. So, I guess there's a. <clears throat> there's a that's a, a good reason to be to try to at least be kind for always. sure and I'm not saying yeah.
1: go around and say whatever dumbass thing. Yeah. don't be like Donald Trump and just talk about you know totally yeah in- insane things but but at the same time to we don't want to over censor yeah ourselves and our friends and our peers because we might be at risk of offending somebody yes you know if you if you cross the line apologize
0: well, yeah. You know, Plus, it's like learn there's from that. there's no more conversation there. Exactly. Like it, it, then it becomes, um, yeah, like you, you said, censorship. So, yeah, a form of censorship. I mean, Where's, it goes
1: back to McCarthy, or I just been watching Dick Cavett. Uh
0: huh. Because oh.
1: like Dick Cavett would have like, I was listening to a podcast about it was a anyway, long story short, he had the ex governor of Alabama. I think it was Alabama, who was like a segregationalist oh, on the uh, same program as Jim Brown.
0: Oh, wait a minute. The, the, the one that was um, shot in... Um, what was no, no, not Wallace. Not Wallace. So okay. maybe it was
1: Atlanta. Was he the mayor of it? Anyway, it was a, a segregationalist, mayor, or governor. Mm. Georgia. It was Georgia because Jimmy Carter became the governor after this guy. Okay. And I forget his name right now. But on the same program, he had Jim Brown, the football player, who became like a, one of the first black African-American... Uh-huh actors and and he had another person and he would always mix his guests like but they would talk and it was it was so real it was very uh-huh. real I mean it was interesting and he I he, I can't name the you'd have to google Dick Cavett and just watch some of the programs but this sort of discourse I don't know if we would be even comfortable if it happened anymore r- at least in this moment in time because if one person felt one way and another person felt another way, instead of talking about it, they would just talk about how offended they were. Mm. Instead of giving the other person... Or talk
0: over each other. Or that. To, is it, yeah. Whoever's loudest. Or, or instead whatever. of
1: just like... I'm not saying that being a segregationalist is good or being a bigot is good. Mm-hmm. It's terrible. and I, But it's just like the point is having a conversation is better than just not having any yes. conversation. That's all. That's my yeah. greater point. Yeah. It's not trying to you know, support that conversation. Yeah, even, yeah. No, you know, uh, no, I
0: know what you're talking about, though, because it's what we're going through now with the the whole polarization. Yeah. But yeah, we
1: don't want to talk about that. No, no, no. We didn't have to go too far. <laughs> I actually have to get going soon. Okay. But um, I wanted to ask you anything else about... um. Because I'm also, one of the main points of me doing this program, even though it's sort of isn't like this too much, was just for myself to learn more about what tango was like in New York specifically Mm -hmm. when it was getting started. You started in 97. I don't think there was much happening until like 93, 92, 93. Um, Were there... Any of milongas? How often were you, were you dancing and how often you I was going dance out five then? nights a week. So even back then, there were already.
0: No, not necessarily, but that would include, that would be, might be a class. Okay. Uh, a class with a practica or um, a, or a, dan- a milonga. Mm-hmm. Um, or, you know, there was the going outdoors, Central Park or South Street Seaport and um so yeah i i do remember going oh yeah i go out like five nights a week um so dance manhattan my favorite place the monday night malanga Mm -hmm. that was i would say the most fun of everything anything and and um it was a good crowd, and there was that, if you were talking to, who was talking about the support from the, you were talking to someone about the support from the audience or that, I think it was you, anyway. Um, the support. There was wing. a lot of, okay, so when you danced at Dance Manhattan, there were a lot of people at tables who were always at their tables, uh, their favorite spots. hmm and they would, like, in, uh, in a lot of Argentinians, right, was, you know, and they would, like, uh, support you as you're dancing by I if see. you did something really cool. Uh-huh. And it's sort of like, uh, you s- so they, uh, uh, you've been to Capriccio, you know, Capriccio, I say it wrong, Capriccio, and uh, Maria Valentine does that, and Monica do that, they go you know they'll shout out give you a shout out as you dance by and it's really charming and lovely and Mm -hmm. so there was some of that going on you'd get a lot of that because there were a lot of the older uh, argentines uh couples and singles uh visiting or living here in new york but they were still uh you know like um still around coming out Mm -hmm. and you saw a lot of them and we um Got to watch them dance and see that old style, mm-hmm. Milongaro style. So um, I felt like um, we had a good training, a good, uh, you know, with Sandra Camerons with Jenny Breen and all those guys, everyone that taught there, and and uh, Dance Manhattan. And those are the, the only two schools I really uh, know about. There might have been others around, but I didn't – I I kind of uh kept uh I didn't go everywhere to everything. And I still don't. Like there's pla- there's people. I get all the time, Oh, come to my malong, come to my malong and I go, Well, what night is it? Yeah, if it no. Fit I, your I you schedule, know, I or... just like I'm not gonna go if I love Tango Cafe, I'm not gonna go somewhere else on Wednesday night or
1: or oh, another night that would capriccio. then throw off your, your yeah, nights yeah. in and nights out balance yeah, and all that. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. So I'm still surprised, I mean, not surprised in a bad way, but like, I'm kind of happy to learn that back in that time in New York, there were so many women leading teachers and following, of course, but like... I had no idea. I mean, I knew they. I knew Rebecca. I know Rebecca. I know Eva. Well, okay, I know they were the Fabian. really
0: great teachers. Really great. I mean, Brigida. Yes, all yeah. of those. But they. Um, and I think that there weren't too many of just the dancers who was were interested in leading. And I guess I would. I was one of them. But the nice thing was I. Yeah, and I just got to know all of them. I mean, they were very friendly, and I got to know everybody um, that, that way. But it wasn't like, uh, so in the milongas, um, you know, I hear stories of people being ejected. and uh, oh, Well, Sarah LaRocca, right, she tells the story of being ejected from a Malonga for socially dancing, uh, partnering uh, at a Malonga. As a leader. As a leader. Here in New York,
1: No. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Really? Oh yeah, wow. yeah. So, um, but you know, that was just a certain malanga. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't like you know, you know, anything much later, You know, within a short time. Uh, if a if a if, okay, if if a place is going to say, okay, we're traditional, it's got to be this way then you're going to hang on to certain people and you're going to lose others mm-hmm. you know sure. and they'll just find somewhere else to go and uh, and um so i think that's just you know or then then they have to adapt mm-hmm. they have to adapt because um
1: they're you're outnumbered changing. you're outnumbered well if you're you, if you know you're running a I mean, if you're running a religion, it's one thing, but if you're running a business (laughs) and uh, everybody shows up to the milonga next week in shorts and you you had a rule that said no shorts, well, you don't have a milonga anymore unless you let the people in the shorts in. So, you know, you kind of have to just adapt.
0: I mean, you do get, um, there's a lot of that subtle sort of shaming that goes on, but, you know, you just kind of have to be stronger than that. So when I, I talk about the sh- sh- subtle shaming, it's just where, okay, if the person who's running it wants it to be this traditional old school, like they're living in the past and they just want it to be the way they think it should be. And then they have their minions, their their followers, their people who like are adapting that um, attitude or maybe they always had the attitude. And then... Um, Like if, like let's say you know, I want to dance. You know, ask someone to dance, and then they'll say, "Oh, you follow." I thought you just led, you know. And you know they're trying to they're they're messing they're they're messing with with you. you. And I'm going, no, I follow too. Yeah, I I just just shake it off. Just like don't let it eat at you you know because
1: but this is kind of goes back to what i was saying about this like cross cross culturalization adopting like we're in new york it's 2020 we're dancing a dance with music from 1940 yeah and, or 30. <laughs> and 30s and you know and all around the end and we're we're subscribing to standards that li- that existed 70 years ago yeah in a in a Latin American country, in we're trying 20 pres- in yes. in a in a West, Indiana, in a city and thinking like, well, we're we're trying to hold on. It's like no, it's like saying, oh, I want to. You know, back in the 50s, you couldn't drink at this water fountain. I'm trying to hold on to this yeah, legacy. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's like okay. no, you're just trying oh, to like. Okay, but like l- why are
0: we not quite? All right. Not quite. But it's we're it's pre- okay. I'm going to look at at as it as preserving an art form, preservation of an art form. But with having said that, one good way to preserve it is to let it, I mean, because it's a living thing,
1: right? right? It's
0: not a dead thing. It's a living thing. So, yes, we, it's going to be modified by, we're going to modify it. I mean, we're going to change it, you know, and, but, okay, now my mind goes straight to the music, the alternative music, the tango. Okay, so there is, in my opinion, you can go too far with that. So I'm, I'm of the ilk of, like, let's mod, you know, we can modify it and update it, but let's not lose it entirely.
1: Well, you know? I agree, but at the same time, every great orchestra that we love,
0: Mm-hmm. Tried they were to the destroy
1: radical. They were the radical.
0: That, yeah. It's like it's like jazz,
1: the music of the devil. Any 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 art form. Yeah. You know the great ones that we look back to and love. Yeah. Whether you're a musician in tango, whether you're Darienzo, Dessarli, mm-hmm. Pugliese, Troilo, or whether you're you know Cacciavac- uh, El Cachavaz or mm-hmm. Chicho or mm-hmm. Gustavo, like the ones that. Took the art form to the next level. Yeah. are the ones that we all really appreciate. It's not yeah. the ones who are towing the line every yeah. day and yeah. saying, "Well, we're trying to preserve it." It's like, well, the point of art is to evolve. Yes, you know, and to, and to evolve with the times and to express the times.
0: But I, I guess what I'm referring to is evolving to the point where it's no longer. Yeah, no, it I agree that we something need something else. Keep so that's you know, so yeah. uh, preserving a few of the steps, but dancing to. Tom Waits. I think Waits. preserving the, the, you know, the essence and like, the
1: technique and all of that stuff, for sure. It's not like, you know, here's a guitar, but now I'm going to use it to bang it against a wall, Yeah, because I want to invent a new way to play the guitar. No. I mean, like...
0: Uh, well, that's been done.
1: Yeah. <laughs> but nobody wants, nobody <laughs> no cares. One. But the point is, is like, I'm just saying, we're, we're also preserving códigos that, you know, we don't use anymore in the world. The man is oh, here, yeah, yeah, the woman yeah. is here. Uh-huh. You know, like... So, therefore, the idea of, like, oh, women shouldn't lead, men shouldn't follow, uh, I yeah, find it yeah, hilarious yeah, yeah, that yeah. we even would have ever lived in a, in a, in a state but, of being that you it's know, just assumed the man should be the leader. You know?
0: My, and I, not strictly speaking, but many of my most joyful dances and my favorite partners are men that follow and lead. And that play of back and forth, uh, I just that really exciting and that's was you know when when I wanted you know I would watch um, Rebecca was such an inspiration to me just watching her dance with one you know any 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 one of her other partners that, uh, where they would switch back and forth and um, Jose Garofalo. Mm-hmm. you know, I used to dance with him a lot, just socially because and we did that back and forth, and it was great fun. and so, yeah, when i uh, there's a lot of people here in the city, a lot of men who can do both beautifully, and it's it's thrilling. It's really thrilling for both of us,
1: yeah, I agree. so
0: I think that's something a lot of people are not getting to experience. They should learn
1: to follow. I'm glad and i'm I'm afraid we have to end because they're okay. telling me we've got to get out of the room, but great. um I see them after. I just wanted to say <laughs> i'm glad that teachers like robin thomas and uh-huh. and since for a long time apparently you know your teachers and and Chico and I are also uh advocating we are leading we are teaching classes where we exchange roles ah. and lead and share to lead and follow and and all of that stuff more and more I think it's catching yeah. on it's even catching on in Buenos Aires, which is great so Awesome. That's really good. But I have to, we have to run because they're gonna steal the room. But um, oh, okay. I'd like to catch up again, even if we just chat it on our own. Yeah. Because <laughs> there's <laughs> a lot. Of, we have a lot of parallels. It's interesting. So thank you for sitting down with us, Jackie. Thank you for I'll having you me here. See you tomorrow at Tango Cafe. All right. Cafe. <laughs> All right. <laughs> well, that was a nice chat. Sit down with Jackie. She's been coming to Tango Cafe for several years now, and we've occasionally chatted and each time it's very interesting and she's just a really mellow and and thought-provoking person and I thought she'd be great to have on the show and sit down with I actually had no idea she'd been dancing since the 90s um she also shared with me during that chat a photo of her from the 2000 millennial milonga that Lucille mentioned in her show that she ran with Juan Pablo and Coco so yeah Jackie's been around um and I was also fascinated to learn about all of the, p- the, the 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 strong presence of female teachers and female leaders in New York City back in the 90s and early 2000s. I mean, it's it seems to be all the rage now, and it's a fashion again, and I think that's wonderful. But I'm also quite proud that we've already had such a strong history in New York. Um, so that's great. Uh, yeah. Thank you all for listening. Uh, stay strong out there. Stay home out there and look forward to the next time I can bring you some more fascinating guests. Have a great day.